And I think Georgia would, because we're at the seance, and maybe she's had some inkling of something, she turns to me and says, Alice, when exactly are you planning to share with me what really happened the night my mother died? It's me, Joanna. Ozzy is with me. He's now talking to me again. He's forgiven me for taking him for a run and two walks the other day. So uh, welcome. This is JCV Art Studio. This is where I like to talk with authors and artists about their craft. And we, we have a good time. So today, today, I am interviewing prolific thriller author, Alice Biena. She's returned to the podcast, and we are going to talk about her fourth Georgia Night PI novel, Night Vision. Alice writes full-time. She is passionate about reading, photography, motorcycles, fresh peas and coffee. I can't help it, Alice. I always have to include that because I think that is such a great little combination there. Okay. Alice creates challenging crimes for her protagonist, Georgia Knight, while throwing life's little obstacles at her character for her to overcome, which I find makes her protagonist, Georgia, so believable. And Georgia is a woman. She's a PI you just find yourself rooting for. Alice, it's always a pleasure Welcome back, and how are you doing? Hi, Joanna. Thanks for having me back. Um, I'm delighted to be here, doing well. Um, our discussions are always so much fun. And uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting with you for the next uh, little while here. Good, good. And I got to tell you, <laughs> Alice got her questions very late last night. Um, I'm sorry, when it's like going towards 930, the author receiving their questions, I consider that late. Um, And I told Alice that I would tell her that I have become possessed. And that is because I've started landscaping, because we are in our house. And I'm retired now. And I should send this out in a newsletter. But I, I get why archaeologists dig and go off in the desert because there's this boulder. It's big. Okay. And I started small, just scraping away some of the dirt. And 
I saw like a layer of flat, almost like slate rock. And I thought, that looks cool. So I kept <laughs> scraping away more dirt and I'm, I'm, I'm pulling off. Like I then can like pick up where the roots are and pull off like a, a square of dirt and weeds. And I'm uncovering all this rock and it is looking really cool. And I swear, <laughs> swear the neighbors think that woman is absolutely crazy. right? But, and then what happened is I look at it as art and I could see a dragon and no, I'm not sniffing anything or smoking anything. My crazy imagination has kicked in. So I'm calling it the sleeping um, rock crest dragon, this big boulder, because now we've planted rock crests in different areas. So that's why, that's why, Alice, you got your questions late because I was out <laughs> digging in the dirt. <laughs> That's absolutely fascinating. I love that. And uh, yeah, you're, you know, when your neighbors find out you're also an author, they're probably going to wonder what you're up to back there, whether you're creating a crypt of some sort. But, <laughs> but I totally understand your fascination with like rocks and how they can appear to be different things. Because as a former geologist, you know, I myself was fascinated by you know, these landscapes that the earth provides us through all these uh, rocks and bedrock and okay. material. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, I'm sending you a photo. Okay. Awesome. Um, because well, now here's the other thing is I hate snakes. I hate snakes. Mm -hmm. And I was out there with the actual landscaper. And I think she was happy that I was off playing by this big boulder and leaving her alone. Um, <laughs> because I pulled up a rock and there was a like baby snake yeah. and I had these thick gardening gloves on and I just thought okay I'm in a small space here and there's not enough room for you or me one of us has to go <laughs> right so I picked it up by its tail and I Ooh. flung it yeah I flung it in the, the field behind us and then I found a second snake and it Ooh. went flying okay so the following day, I picked up a rock and there was a third snake and it was bigger. I couldn't touch it. I just thought, I'm done, I'm done, I could, I'm done, but I got to get rid of it. So it was like, it was a two stick endeavor to pick this thing up. Wow. Yeah. Anyways, anyways. Brave so. woman, brave woman. I would, have, I would have delicately placed the dirt back and rock <laughs> over the snake and made my way out of the area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and God help me if they they crawl on my roof, that big boulder because I will I will lose it. <laughs> okay, after all the work. Anyways, okay, okay. Your book, your book. First of all, night vision. The cover. It is darn right scary, which is excellent. Very good. So kudos to your book designer. How did that all come together? Yeah. Well, thank you. I've used. Uh you know, the creator of this company called Damonzaw.com and the owner of that company, his name is Damon Freeman. Okay. And uh, I just lucked into finding him actually on the internet. Um, and so uh, his company's done all my books, uh, but I have to admit this one, um, I think they did an awesome job and kind of outdid themselves because for me, nothing screams mystery more like, you know, the black, curl on the cover but you know to, to also have them added this crystal ball and the all-seeing 
eye because yeah. of the psychic clairvoyant character. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> excellent. Because I know when I'm, I'm reading it, and I'm like, that's a scary cover, <laughs> right? But I thought, yay, that's what you want, you know? Um, so before, before we get into, you know, favorite scenes and hooks in your stories in your novel, can you give us a quick summary of what Night Vision is about? Sure, I'd love to. So in Night Vision, there's this uh, psychic clairvoyant named Misty, and she comes to George's office, and she wants to hire her to prevent a murder. And uh, so Misty tells Georgia that she's been seeing and experiencing signs and visions um, that a dark-haired woman is going to be uh, strangled to death. And this woman has dark hair and is kind of her age, and so she kind of resembles her. But over the weeks, um, she's grown convinced that that woman in her vision is actually herself and that she's the one that's going to be murdered. Um, so, of course, it helps co consolidate her idea that she might be the intended victim because somebody's now leaving her threatening notes um, and also has left her, recently left her a decapitated bird on the back step of her, yeah. her shop. So, um, Georgia, being a former lab analyst, of course, tends to put her faith in science, you know, stuff that she can observe and measure and touch and feel. And uh, but she's intrigued enough, as I think most people would be, about the possibility that maybe there are some people amongst us that um, can or have the ability to connect with the spiritual world. And uh, so she's intrigued enough to take the case. And no sooner than she does take the case, a woman is murdered right in front of Misty's condo. And this woman could be uh, her client's lookalike. Yeah. At that point, Misty's premonitions um, escalate even further and she tells Georgia the killer's gonna kill again. So Georgia being Georgia, of course, yeah. starts to look for physical suspects, you know, those in the here and now, you know, yeah. people that might have a cause, you know, some reason to cause Misty harm. Uh, but as she, Georgia starts to delve into Misty's past, some of Misty's uh, visions and premonitions start to manifest in George's own life. And uh, so as the investigation continues, Georgia starts to have doubts about what her own intended role is in this case. And at one point she wonders, is maybe she the intended victim? Because she also resembles Misty to some degree in appearance. And, uh, and then also she starts to wonder, is has Misty hired her? as sort of a convenient and necessary pawn in this whole thing because she's announced to the world that she's going to solve this woman's death. And, you know, so is, is George intended to be the investigator who truly solves it. And Misty's going to leverage, you know, that and, and basically claim that it was her psychic powers, you know, so she has all these doubts as she starts to investigate and, uh, but is still trying to get to the root of what is going on. And I like how you write about Misty, like in the beginning when she comes to George's office, you know, and she just has these little, like these little looks and she's, it, yeah, 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 she's amazing. So you always have great hooks in your books. Um <laughs> I had a smile because I remember the time I asked you the question if Georgia was ever going to drive a nice car. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and I loved it because you write 
Georgia is leasing a vehicle, right? Like she's leasing a vehicle and it's still in good shape, right? And uh, and I read that and then I thought, is it going to break down, right? Because I'm thinking of your your previous books, right? And, I'm, and I still remember the scene from the third book where her vehicle broke down and she was out on that desolated, like, road, right? right? And right. I'm like, is it going to put break down what's going to happen to George like I'm just you know gears are going right? right so in your writing process do you like literally like do you for example try I like to say try on different hooks or for example what came first because for example with what I'm working on now just this line came to me and that was that was going to be the hook for my the book I'm working on now, and that was that was going to be the first chapter. But uh, you know, as you're writing, that's now moved to be like chapter three. Right, so, right. so when you started writing Night Vision, did the hook come to you first, and you built a story, or did? the whole idea of the story come and then came some hooks that you you worked on right well let me say this you know first of all I envy you for the fact that a lot a hook line came to you because <laughs> <laughs> as an author yourself you know how much we authors sweat over those yeah. first few lines right and uh so um no in my case unfortunately uh the hook line did not come to me. I knew I wanted to open the scene with this psychic arriving in George's office, you know, to hire her and sort of what the larger premise of the story was. So I needed Georgia in the office doing something. But of course, you know, updating her files or sorting through paper isn't actually a captivating hook, you know, for the reader. So I had to come up with something a little more personal and engaging, you know, so, um, I have had her. I have her. I had her sitting at the desk playing Candy Crush on her yeah. computer, you know, wasting time. And uh, I rewrote those first that first couple of sentences several times uh, until I opened with the current line where you know she's reflecting on how smoothly her life has been going in the last <laughs> few months or few weeks. You know, her car is still working. Yeah. Nobody's tried to kill her in several weeks. You know, and she's yeah. thinking, "Isn't this awesome?" But then she realizes that, ah, based on how her life and luck is going, you know, has been going, this is not going to last. This is not a pattern that's going to last. And she's pretty convinced that, you know, her luck is going to start changing soon. And so in walks this client and, of course, sets her off on her new case. Yeah. And for the reader, you know, you know, this is book four. You know, if you read the previous ones. And you read that, and you're like, no, don't let your guard down. <laughs> right? you, know, like, you kind of want to say to Georgia, don't let your guard down. Right? <laughs> don't curse it. And, and right. then the clairvoyant yeah. walks in, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so I'm very curious about the inspiration for the story. Um, because I have heard, you don't hear so much, or maybe just because I haven't been watching a lot of news lately. Um, mm-hmm. You'd. But I remember hearing on the news, was it on the news about, maybe it wasn't on the news, but I remember hearing that the police had used a 
couple of times, a clairvoyant Mm -hmm. to help solve a case. Like when they are no more leads, like they're just hit a wall. So I was wondering about the inspiration for this story. Right, right. So you're right. I mean, I I do recall several cases like that myself. And for example, that uh, famous abduction and uh, murder of uh, Jean-Benet Ramsey, um, you know, and it was an unsolved mystery. And I think it still is, you know, and it went on for years and years uh, comes to mind. And in that particular case, I remember there was at least one, if not more psychics, clairvoyance in particular, who got involved with the mystery and, and tried to uh, help solve it. And um, it's it's true, some police forces have used clairvoyance in particular to help them solve crimes, but for the large, for the majority, I think, they don't like to work with psychics and clairvoyance because they are relying on their policing methods and their processes to find and collect solid evidence that the prosecutor will be able to use, you know, when they get to court, you know. Yeah. And um, so a lot of times it's the family members who are frustrated with the lack of progress on a police case. And so they will hire a clairvoyant, say, you know, yeah. to help either find their loved one if they've been abducted or are missing or to, to find their killer. So, um, but the idea of giving uh, Georgia a psychic client didn't really come from, you know, my knowledge of these real life stories about psychics or clairvoyants helping um, solve crimes. It came from this idea that I wanted to try or test Georgia's very sort of analytical mind and her approach to things with an idea or concept that someone could bring her information that the claim was given to them by a spirit. And um, I know you've read um, some of my previous books and there's, I've left little tiny hints, little instances in those books where Georgia wonders if if it's possible that her own mother who died a violent death, um, you know, is or trying to reveal something to her. And uh, so that's what made this case so exciting for me to try out. And uh, hopefully it works for the reader as well. Yeah. yeah. And we'll talk about that. The mom in the back. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, so did you, I'm curious about what, was there research? How, how, like, how did you research a clairvoyant or just, it's because I don't want, this is going to sound weird, but how you write about her, it comes across as so believable. Okay. <laughs> And well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's the scene where there's the group of them, they're in a circle. And, you know, Misty is saying how the spirit came forward and then it stepped back because a stronger spirit came up, right? And I thought, <laughs> did you make that up? Because <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> like, how did you? <laughs> Thank you. I, I did make all that up, but I did have to do a lot of research. And because my personal experience is very limited, yeah. but I have had my poem read yeah. and I do some know someone who is a psychic and can actually read auras, okay. yeah, people's auras. Uh, but thank goodness for the Internet, yeah. uh, because my research uh, would have taken me months without it. Um, so I, I had to start out, first of all, you know, looking at what does it mean to be psychic or clairvoyant? And uh, so, you know, I, I researched that. And uh, I also read a bunch of um, articles 
um, about where police were assisted by a clairvoyant, for example, uh, helping them solve the crime. And the one story that I did use or mention in the book about Misty working, you know, her, her history was that Misty had worked to help find a robber that killed several people in this um, heist in Billings, Montana. And uh, she had helped police um, find him. And uh, so that that story that it's made up, but it was based on actually a real life story that I read about a, a clairvoyant working with the Montana police. Yeah. Um, and I also looked up clairvoyants and psychics here in Calgary. And I looked at sort of what types of services they offered people you know, to find out more about them. And, um, you know, if it hadn't been COVID and we were going through all these waves of various precautionary restrictions and shutdowns, I was sorely tempted to set up a meeting with one of them yeah. and actually go experience this for myself. But yeah, it was great fun delving into uh, the world of uh, psychic and clairvoyant abilities. It was fascinating. Well, I remember... When was it? God. <laughs> we, we still lived in Victoria. And I think it was, it was either 2019 or 2020, before March, before the big shutdown. Mm -hmm. And it was 2020, because I think I remember talking a bit with my friend about you know, the, the pandemic, right. The pandemic, you know, it, it like no one thought it would be like two years later, you know, it, it would, it would blow over. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I remember we were sitting there and she had suggested to me, cause she had gone to a psychic and had like a reading oh, and wow. she, she had said, you know, I can set one up for you if you want Joanna and you know, you're a writer, right? It's like, yeah, sure. That'd be interesting. Interesting. And then I remember I was telling Ed and Ed was like, I don't think it's a good idea, Joe. I don't think not, <laughs> not, not right now. We got a lot of stuff going on. I don't think it's a good idea. And then, like I said, the pandemic hit and it didn't happen. And right. I'm kind of glad I didn't go, yeah. you know, just because of the pandemic and what did hit. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, but yeah. no, it's, that's, that's cool. That is cool. So, and the other thing you do so well is I like how you're tying in George's back backstory, like with her mom. Mm -hmm. And I really think it shows Georgia as such a well-rounded character. And I was just like that. That's my, that's how, what I feel. And, you know, your readers, you get, have this connection that keeps growing and growing. Right. So with you, George's backstory, it, it, why, why do you like, like you, how you weave it in too? It's not like we get this big information dump. Right, right. Thank you. Um, I actually love one of the comments one of my Amazon reviewers left for me. And uh, they wrote, Georgia is clever, funny, wise. I want to be friends with her. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that people connect with her. And uh, I kind of feel that way too, because when I, uh, I spend a lot of time with Georgia, I spend a lot of more time with her than I do with my real friends. And uh, so uh, when I wrote, you know, the first book in the series, Night Blind, I, I actually spent quite a bit of time thinking about, you know, this woman, who she was, where was she in, in, in her life? 
what did she want out of life? Did she even know what she wants yeah. out of life? And and so um, having done that, you know, it, it sort of helped me uh, know how she's going to respond in certain situations or to certain events that are that are taking place. But of course, her life is continuing, you know, since book one, and and she's continuing to grow as a person, and she's growing as an investigator, and her views on certain things. Uh, everything from her relationship with her on and off again um, love interest to yeah. to criminals and you know to the homeless and to the people she runs into is also um, shifting yeah. um, in the story um, in the overarching um, series arc and so I like that about her because a it keeps her fresh in my mind and she's yeah. growing with me as a writer yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also so you know, I can help portray her better, but she and her characteristics also help me um, imagine and create, you know, how she's going to react in certain situations. Yeah. And have you, like, I think the last podcast you said you have, you're, you were working on book seven or book six. I can't right. remember now. Right. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder with writing, like you said, you develop such a relationship with this character. Right. Has it occurred to you yet, like on the horizon, that there may be an ending for Georgia, or is it it's still climbing? Because I know with me, I it was after book three, I th thought, which I'm working on now, that I thought there yeah. might be, that might be it for Jade. But then because of things that got revealed, it's like, no, we're just beginning, right? Yeah, so yeah. I was wondering, have you? Because I, I, I hope she's around for a while, <laughs> selfishly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so, too. I'm going to keep writing her as long as people keep reading her. Uh, I, am, I am currently working on book seven. And, wow. you know, in my head, I've never really thought about how many books I would write before I declared finished. You know, yeah. I do think it's going to be, you know, 12 or 15 or some number like that. And uh, so, you know, I'm at minimum sort of maybe reaching, maybe reaching midpoint, you know, in the overarching story arc. Um, I have not worked out what is going to happen in the end to yeah. her. And, uh, you know, so right now I'm still having a great time, you know, building on her expertise. I've been trying to throw her more and more sort of complicated cases to work on, you yeah. know, very different than the first one or two that she worked on when she was a newbie investigator. And so, you know, yeah, we're, George and I are still good pals and having a good time. Good, good. Well, the thing that's neat is you go from, and forgive me that I can't remember the title of the book three, okay? Um, three Dog Night. Yeah, where it's like that closed room murder right like right. how did it happen you know yeah. very like yeah you would say evidence and I'm not saying that this one's not evidence so it's neat to go to with this one where it's it's a totally different story right with the yeah. clairvoyant yeah. You know? yeah yeah exactly yeah so with Georgia I it's like the subtle cleverness of her okay and um, I'm trying to reel in so I don't go off on my soapbox. But this scene, when she's, so our readers know, okay, Misty has her shop. They're in this, this building. And there's this other shop that's called um, 
healing waters. Mm-hmm. And that's where people can go for, I think it's cryotherapy. Am I? Yes. Okay. Cryotherapy, which, and I, I tell you, the, the retired personal trainer in me is just starting to get going here. Okay. <laughs> cryotherapy, where, which is fat freezing. I'm reading this scene because this, this lady offers this service, fat freezing. And Georgia goes to talk to her. And, you know, I've seen the ads for you, you do cryotherapy to get rid of that stubborn fat. And I tell you, fat does not have a personality trait. Okay. And the lady is slamming Misty, right? For her for her her abilities for being a clairvoyant yet she believes in in this fat freezing and uh what i liked was george's listening and talking with this lady and it's this line this line alice where like georgia says sad to think people are so desperate they fall for these quick fix solutions. I mean, really. And I read that and I thought, yes, right? Like, and I, it was great. And it's, you know, and I, what people don't understand is this lady is just slamming the clairvoyant saying, like, right? right? And I thought that was a brilliant idea. So mm-hmm. talk to me about that because I thought it was brilliant. Just because the lady is totally oblivious that Georgia's just slammed her, right? Right, right, right. I, I love that. And and Georgia had the same reaction as you as she's listening to this woman at the slamming Misty for, you know, like how foolish these people that listen to a clairvoyant, right? And yeah. and yet I have this wonderful therapy. You know, it's just gonna freeze off your fat. And uh, so that one, that one was a really interesting one for me. I did some research on it. And uh, this, there is something called cryotherapy or cryosurgery. And it's something that has been used in the medical profession for quite some time. But they use it as, as a procedure where the doctor or healthcare provider uses extreme cold to actually destroy abnormal cells. So you know, a tumor or a lesion, and they go in there and they, and they basically kill these cells by, by freezing them. But these cells are just obliterated and, and they're dead, you know, so it's hard to imagine you doing that like all over you, your body and expecting something. So, so, um, so, uh, but of course the whole idea, you know, and, and, and they used some of it or some variation of it in sports therapy in the same sort of idea as, you know, if you've got an injury, you apply cold and heat and alternate cold and heat and, yeah. you know, the, it moves the, the blood, you know, away from the area and, and to the area and sort of, you know, helps in the healing. But so, of course, this, this idea, like any normal idea when it gets into the hands of certain individuals, yeah. and this idea has caught on with actors, actresses, the rich and famous and all the doctors that serve them, you know, by setting up these rejuvenation clinics uh, to help them stay, look and feel young and youthful, you know, for a great deal of money. You know? yeah. So, uh, so uh, you know, this character that I developed, Piora Benson, who yeah. runs Healing Waters, you know, she is this singularly focused, driven, social climbing, money hungry character 
you know, she's not going to hesitate to use the sugar daddy's money to help yeah. her achieve her goals. She's going after everything. And, uh, you know, she is determined to drive uh, Georgia out of the building. And uh, mm-hmm. she has this cryotherapy chamber yeah. <laughs> yeah. imported from Las Vegas and or Los Angeles. And she's going to um, attract the kind of clientele she wants. In other words, rich clientele, right? And yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was sort of perfect. I needed her to be, you know, really driven and really, um, you know, and she spent a lot of money on this. It's important. And, you know, I wanted to really establish that she needs this flaky psychic woman out of her building, you know, or that's how she sees uh, Misty, right? So, And and I totally agree with you about the hot and cold, like for sports injuries. I totally agree with that. But uh, just in terms of weight loss, freezing fat, no, no, no. Unfortunately, this cryotherapy or cryosurgery, I mean, it destroys cells. There's no bringing you back from that, right? (laughs) You know, but again, you know, a lot of these rejuvenation techniques uh, that are being pitched out there, you know, come from the medical profession, except they're not medical, but they, they try to try to, um, glom on or attach you know some medical uh background to to these things to make them look more you know real and authentic you know so remember when everybody not everybody but i remember seeing the ads when people were wrapping them their their midsection up right Right. (laughs) lose weight yes how did that work exactly you don't hear about it now right? right right i had asked winona kent if there are scenes she's particularly proud of. And if you want, you could answer the same question. Um, But I was also wondering if there are scenes which scare the pants off of you, because I know that cellar scene, looking for the cat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I loved writing that scene because, you know, at this point for people that haven't read the book, you know, she's lost her best friend's cat. And she's worried that Mike's cat is uh, trapped in this basement and maybe with no food or water. And the basement is seriously creepy. Yeah. And uh, so it has one of these doors in the that's built into the to the floor and you lift up this panel and there's a more of a ladder than a staircase going down into the cellar. And uh, so Georgia starts descending down this. Yeah. And uh, while she's doing so, she reminds herself of every one of those movies, you know, movie scenes where the actress decides to investigate some dark, creepy place and everybody in the audience is screaming, no, don't do it. You know, but despite those reminders, she goes down there because she's really worried about this cat and uh, she goes down there anyway. Um, But I really love writing a lot of the scenes and I don't know if I have a particular favorite one. So I I loved a lot of them, not just the creepy ones, but um, I love the ones where Georgia travels to the West Coast as she delves further into Misty's uh, past. Yeah. 
And I think because COVID has kept me pretty close to home, maybe writing them helped me sort of live vicariously, uh, you know, through Georgia. But it brought up all those wonderful memories of like racing up the Sunshine Coast to try to make the next ferry, right? Oh, and, yeah. uh, and then being on the ferry in the water and just the hubbub of people, kids running around, people trying to buy a snack. Maybe they're on their way home after a long day's work. And, and uh, just the sound of uh, circling seagulls at the dock and the smell of seawater and, and uh, seaweed. And, and so all those memories and were very vivid in my mind as I as I wrote those scenes so uh yeah it was kind of like a little mini vacation for me <laughs> and I get it I yeah. so get it so that cat Wesson mm-hmm. when I was reading that and Georgia's looking for that cat I kid you not that but I swear I don't want to say that book is possessed okay it was it was <laughs> It was just how things, as I'm reading it, like collided with my own life. Because, oh, wow. Awesome. Because <laughs> I had been out, like I say, shove, like not shoveling, but picking at dirt on that boulder. Mm-hmm. And that one particular night, I, like I felt like I was rock climbing. You know, I, like I'm going like Spider-Man up this thing because I, I don't mm-hmm. want to fall off it and crack my head open. Right. Yeah. And um so I'm sitting there reading your book and I am sore. Okay. So sore. Like I've just like, okay, everything's done. I don't have to move. Okay. And Ed's sitting across from me watching TV and he goes, Oh, Joe. And I'm like, and I, like, I put the, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, and he goes, there's a cat outside, you know, because we've seen deer, we've seen rabbits. Okay. And I just thought that I wanted to say, is it Wesson? <laughs> right. <laughs> And I thought, no, he, he won't understand. He doesn't know what I'm reading, you know. And I just thought, as long as I don't have to get up and, and get it, <laughs> let the right. kitty roam, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so that's too funny. <laughs> how how much do like current events play into writing of your of your novels? Yeah, I I don't really make use of any explicit um, current events in my novels. You know, you made a comment and I totally agree. I find the news rather um, depressing of late. And uh, so I don't really want to build any of that into my books because, you know, I think most people read my books for the entertainment value. Um, Although having said that, you know, unless an author is writing sort of futuristic or historical novels, I, I think most of us frame our stories with, you know, within the context of the society and the times that we live in. And, uh, you know, even though mystery is at the core of my story, like in my first novel, um, the homeless uh, factored fairly prevalently, largely because Georgia was the man she was looking for was rumored to be living homeless on the streets. And uh, in the second book, um, one of the characters is a victim of cyberbullying, among other things. Um, These are real issues of the day, but my intent is not to make any kind of social statement or commentary on these things. Um, They're just there as part of the fabric of the story because, you know, we're living in these times and uh, this is what we have all around us. So, yeah, uh, yeah, but to bring in specific events like I, I will never put COVID in my I shouldn't say never like you know but I have no intention of bringing COVID in or any political situations or anything like that into my novels I 
I think people want to get away from that, you know, at least for a few hours. And I was just scribbling down a note here. I so enjoyed not reading about COVID in your book. I, when I was, I thought, thank God, like, yes, because I know that's yeah. been a discussion. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. yeah. What I tend to do is if I have a character like the one I have now, I have an older, older character. So let's say he's in his early 70s. And if it pertains to his character and what he does, I may have him say, oh, I remember, you know, this happened during the, like, Cuban Missile Crisis or something like that, right? You know, so, yeah. 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 So, okay. So what are you working on next? Well, (laughs) so I am putting the finishing touches, the very final touches on Night in the Museum, which is what I'm calling it, which will be out in September. And that's the sixth book. And um, so that story is centered around two suspicious deaths and a missing cursed pre-Columbian artifact. And uh, uh, George is hired by the daughter of one of the men who has died under suspicious circumstances. And George is trying to find out answers to his death by retracing his footsteps and then discovers a lot more going on than she imagined. And uh, I'm starting to write book seven in the series just now. I don't really have things worked out, but it's interesting. You know, we were talking about how we all felt sort of... uh, stuck or bound by you know the COVID situation to not go out there and experience the world and um, so uh, I don't really know what's going to happen in this book but the scene that's driving this book the scene in my head in this for this next book is one where Georgia finally takes a well-deserved holiday it's been years since she's taken one and so she agrees to meet up with her longtime friend, Gab Rizzo, yeah. who has just finished her Cordon Bleu course in France. And so they agreed to meet in uh, Istanbul, Turkey, and uh, except Gab does not show up. And uh, so that's sort of the prem- the starting scene or thought for the book. And literally, I have no idea where, where this is going to go. So yeah, that should be an interesting one. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, you're a plotter, right? I I am a plotter. Yeah. I yeah. like to I like to plot at least some some rough guiding details of the plot. Yeah. Um, I I don't really often know how it will end, or if I do have an ending for the plot, it 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 has always changed from what yeah. I imagined it was when I started, and then. Uh, so it's kind of a bare bones uh, plot, but um, I kind of work that out first. And then I don't have like all the scenes that develop, you know, as it kind of happen as I go along. But yeah, yeah I, I kind of know what, where this story is going, or at least I think I do when I start. Right. Cool. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Okay. So we know what you're working on. And I was just wondering, you know, like in your future, are there any conferences or CW events? Are you having a real book launch? Anything like that? Well, it's really funny, Joanna, because I've released all my books during COVID. Oh, <laughs> it just wow. dawned on me the other day. And uh, I did have a virtual launch for my uh, first book, uh, Nightline. 
I was hoping to have one, a person in-person launch for night vision um, because I think people are starting to sort of become Zoom weary. You know, on the one hand, it's opened up so many opportunities for us and I do appreciate that. And, but on the other hand, I do think there are so many opportunities now to, to jump in on a Zoom somewhere that, you know, we're almost, you know, it's almost oversaturated. Um, but anyway, unfortunately, COVID numbers here in Calgary are once again starting to rise. And so I'm hoping maybe to have uh, an in-person event in the fall when my uh, sixth book comes out. Yeah. Uh, but there are some interesting um, and exciting conferences coming up this spring and summer. Yeah. And um, this year, Canada's um, top mystery writers are going to be gathering for the first time ever virtually this year for an inaugural conference called the Maple Leaf Mystery Conference and that's going to be held May 24th to 28th and uh, there's going to be a lot of great um, talks panel discussions and discussions um, for, for writers and mystery readers alike and I also hear you are going to be moderating the Maple yeah. Leaf Murder West panel, yeah. Joanna. So yeah. featuring many of the talented mystery writers from Western Canada. So congratulations on Thank that. You. Thank you. Thank you. And, oh. uh, yeah, go ahead. No, go, yeah. go ahead. Go, 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 go. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, and I was saying that another conference that I love and have participated in over the years is when Westward's Collide Festival, and that's held August um, 12th to 14th, I bet, I think this year, uh, again, virtually. Uh, it's it's designed a little differently than the Maple Leaf Mystery Conference in that it offers a brighter, broader scope and uh, covers a wide spectrum of literature, including romance and fantasy and sci-fi, you know, as well as mystery. So that's also a fun one to go to. Good, good. And... With that one we're I'm moderating on, we're the last show. So, <laughs> so I, I, I have taken this attitude of we're going to bring down the house. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. So, anyways, I've got a, we've got, I shouldn't say I, I sent an email to the panelists mm-hmm. and um, just an idea of, because it's up to us what we want to talk about. So right, right. I'm not I'm not going to say what it is yet, but I, I sent an email to the panelists and I said, what do you think about this theme we talk about? And, you know, I'm like, please, you know, give me your ideas. Yeah. Let me know what you think. And so far, everybody has been pretty much on, on board. They're like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Right. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great conference. And and, you know, for me personally, having an all mystery yeah. conference yeah. is awesome. Right. Yeah. And uh yeah, and I think, uh, you know, whether you're a writer or a reader, these there's so much fun and there's so much great discussion. Some of the speakers, you know, that I've heard over the years and word, when words collide, you know, have been just amazing, hilarious. Like a, a lot of this, a lot of uh, these panel discussions and talks are, are just um, so worthwhile taking in. It's a great entertainment value as yeah. well as a learning opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And s- Sometimes I find, you know, you could be, you could be, how do I say this? It's like you can be taught or instructed that, oh, you should do this or this, let's say with marketing or this and this with writing, but it, 
just takes that one person who's saying the same message, but they say it in a different fashion that it just clicks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? I've had some of those moments myself where, you know, somebody says something and it, you know, you kind of go, ah, yeah. that's what this is all about. And now I get it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Good. Good. Yeah. So, okay. I got a couple of fun questions here for you. Uh, the first one being, you and Georgia go to a seance and Georgia turns to you. What does she say? Okay. So I love, I love these questions at the end of your podcast. They're always so much fun. Um, so I thought about this and I think Georgia would, because we're at the seance and maybe she's had some inkling of something. She turns to me and says, Alice, when exactly are you planning to share with me what really happened the night my mother died? That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Because we, 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 we get the hints that it was a violent death. It was a, right. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So fun question number two. Have you watched any good movies lately? And I'll, I'll step forward and say, I know it was nominated for an Academy Award. I watched The Power of the Dog. My daughter enjoyed it. And I'm kind of, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I didn't come away feeling moved or, or smarter or, yeah, that, and it was one of those ones where I wondered if it, oh God, this is, this is bad. It was one of those ones where, I wondered if it could have been better if it was written better. Have you right. seen The Power of the Dog? No, I have not. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so what have you what what, what have you seen that that stands out for you? Yeah, I'm 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 really terrible with movies. You know, it's really interesting. I watch them and I don't remember the titles or the actor <laughs> actresses. <laughs> I, I think it's my way of just sort of falling into this hole of I don't have to think I just have to yeah. sit here and, and let this sort of come come to me. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so I was trying to think what what have I watched great lately and uh, quite recently, like within the last week or so, I think I watched a movie called Little Pieces of Me or Her, Little Pieces of Her. And I the reason I almost remember the title <laughs> is I read the book. I read the book okay. a few years ago, right? Yeah. And uh, so they made a movie out of it. And I really can't even remember now if it was a movie I watched all in one sitting or whether it's like a four part or yeah. a kind of series. But I thought that was quite well done and okay. uh, enjoyed it for just pure um, enjoyment, entertainment, and a bit of. Ooh, didn't see that coming. Isn't which that, I always appreciate. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that it when you watch a movie and okay, I don't know whether it has something to do with being writers. We're we're plotting scenes, um, conflict, backstory, you know, motivation. And yeah. when you can watch a movie and go, whoa, like you and like you just said. Yes. Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. Bravo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
there were there were quite a few twists and turns in this one but the one at the end was like whoa like there was one last one that was like whoa did not see that coming and I agree with you there's nothing worse than I've watched stuff where and again I don't know whether it's because we are authors or what but you know 10 minutes in the into the movie or show I go they did it you know, yeah. you know? and then you watch kind of hoping that you're wrong but yeah. you're not yeah yeah <laughs> And in yeah. the end, it's sort of like, oh, that was sort of disappointing because I knew who it was all along, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I could I could never see what the big deal was about pulp fiction. I remember yeah. I stayed up. It was a work week, okay? It was like a <laughs> Thursday, and I stayed up late to watch that yeah. to the very end. And at the end, I was just like, eh, really? Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So Alice, we'll get your socials from you. Where can people find you? Okay, so my big news of the moment <laughs> is I'm relaunching my website. It, it's, it's probably seven or eight years old. I think I set up my website before I even wrote my first book. So um, I'm a few weeks away still okay. from launching my new website, um, but it will be still as it is today. Okay. You can find it at www.alicebienia.com. Okay. Uh, I have a free prequel novella to the whole Georgia Night series there if you want to sign up for my email list, uh, as well as all my contact information, how to, there's a, uh, my email address and, how, and also how to reach me on other social media platforms. It's all there. So um, hopefully in a few weeks, if you visit my website, you'll see the new improved version. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah. I've got to ask you, because I was talking with Winona about this. Do you have an author page on Facebook? I do. And now you're going to ask me what it is. I think it's Bienya. Okay. So if you go to, yeah, Facebook.com and it's Alice.Bienya. Okay. Okay. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Facebook. So I tend to put everything writing wise on my own personal Facebook page, which yeah. I understand that could be annoying for some of my friends. Right? Well, you know, it's a, you know, I set that up, you know, same as you, Joanna, I have the two pages. I'm mostly just because I'm not a huge Facebook um, user. Yeah. I tend to just post on my own, you know, Facebook page and, so it can get, a, you know, there's times I'm thinking, yeah, why do I have these two? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, you know, but yeah. Uh, but again, I agree with you. I'm, I'm trying to segment sort of my writing life and my personal life. And so I set up a, you know, newsletter and I'm trying to use, you know, my Facebook author writer page more so yeah. for the writing material for the same reason. Like, do all my friends and family really want to hear yeah. about <laughs> about my book stuff right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah okay okay well Alice it has been a pleasure it always is and it's exciting to hear the next book is coming out in September right excellent and uh, you know I'm, I'm thinking about booking you in September because we always have a good discussion okay yeah, we do I love these. Uh, I love chatting with you. And we sometimes we go off topic and it's always so much fun to explore sort of these other things that catch our interest. So yeah, yeah always have a great time. And I'll get the questions to you much sooner next time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> exactly. 
No worries. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Well, people, if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. It's jcvartstudio.net. And I hope everyone has a good afternoon. Alice, it's been a blast. Likewise. Thank you so much, Joanna. Have a great time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.